turn to Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 3 and 4. I'm talking about love. We've been talking about some things recently that I believe are on my heart. I have certain people that I have followed over the years and certain things that are spoken that, uh, and actually for the last 30, over 30 years, and uh, these things have been on my heart and and um, I, I, some things that I'm, I'm sharing with you today are being shared all across the body of Christ. And I, I just, I want to pass these things on. I told you anything that I'm uh, involved in and whatever is being imparted to my heart, I also want to pass that on. In fact, that's our responsibility as Christians. What God has done in our lives, he saved us, he's delivered us, he set us free, amen. We want to see that in other people's lives also. And that's what I do uh, on a regular basis because I'm excited about what God is doing. I believe that we're going to see revival. I was sitting here. I believe we're going to see some things happening. I think there's a, a move of God's Spirit across the, our land. I believe that you, you'll we'll begin to see that even more and more in the days and weeks and uh, the time that is to come. So uh, be in prayer. Ask God to do that. Will he, when He returns, will He find faith? to believe him, okay, no matter what you see happening in the world today. <clears throat> and uh, Ed has it up here, and it's real real short, but real strong, powerful. God is speaking. The Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love, and I have drawn you with loving kindness. I want to say right off the bat, it is essential that you have a revelation of the loving kindness of the Lord, the everlasting, the unfailing love of God. And why is that so important? Because when you go through times of testing or just life circumstances, you'll be thrown off balance if you don't. You won't go through them. You've got to know that God's love never changes for you and I. And I spoke of it in the last couple of weeks when we talked about cultivating a passion for Jesus, when we talked about worship and what does that look like? What does that mean when we come together every Sunday, when we get together, actually, where two or more are gathered in his, his name, then there he is in our midst. But when we come together, we have come, the purpose of worship is come together to meet with God, bottom line. And so I always say, well, Lord, I, I want to I know you. I want to feel you. I want to experience you. I want to know you in my heart of hearts. And, and I believe this is what Paul is saying or what Jeremiah or God is saying through Jeremiah, but also in Ephesians we'll look at in chapter 3 what Paul is talking about. And that is, is that we really know the everlasting uh, love of God. The other thing is, is that he has drawn us with his loving kindness. You know, the wrath of God really doesn't necessarily draw people. Some people get afraid, and then they start attending church. You know, after 9-11, people started attending church, and, and all, they didn't know what was going to happen. But really, they didn't stick, did they? You see, really, the loving kindness draws us. And with the Bible talks about and says that without the Spirit drawing you, we can't come to the Father. So the Spirit is drawing people. He's wooing people. He, he's drawing them with His love, and this is what draws people. And so we can't brag about, hey, I just sort of came up and, and, and discovered God. Actually, God was wooing you and drawing us with his loving kindness when you came to Christ. 
And so we have these, these, these nuggets of truth that are so important in our lives, a foundational truths and understanding that it's the everlasting love of God. It doesn't waver, does not waver. And I want to get that point across to you. It does not waver because obviously when we perform well, and it seems like, hey, I'm reading my Bible a little bit more, or maybe I'm praying a little bit more, or maybe I, I haven't maybe stumbled and fell through the week and, and something or did something wrong and all that. I sort of start patting myself on the back, right? And, and we go, well, you know, I performed pretty good today, this week. You know, I'm looking pretty good. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of hang my hat sometimes on my performance. If I feel real spiritual, if I, I feel real good about my spiritual life, and all, then maybe God will love me in that case. And he doesn't say that. He says, I love you. I started this. I reached down to you. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so the everlasting God, and, and under and re, that revelation of knowing God's love is foundational when we talk about these types of things here. And so our ability even to receive correction from the Lord depends on how established we are in the love of God. And that's why God, Paul prayed again in Ephesians. If you'll put up Ephesians 3, Ed, for this reason I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, and listen to this, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that, what does he say? It surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. It surpasses knowledge. It is experiential in that. Yes, we know God loves me. And most people will say, well, I know, yeah, and then you'll go, God loves you. And people know that. But I want to talk this morning about something I think so important. And that revelation of God's love is, again, foundational, being rooted and established in love. You see, the... The knowledge lays the foundation for your walk with God. It shapes your concept of who God is so that you'll come to him in your time of need. If you think that he is sort of up there with a big stick getting ready to hammer you, you won't run to him because you know and I know that we obviously, we don't measure up. Even, you know, if I would ask you again, all of you, are you reading your Bible enough? Do you feel like, Maybe you've maxed out and you're reading your Bible enough. Don't raise your hand, you know. If you feel like I question, are you praying enough? Are you you're walking in the depths of God's love enough? And probably all of us here would say, well, no, no, not at all. I want I want to I want to work. I want to grow. I want to mature. I want to get closer to Jesus. Just a closer walk with thee. That's the thing. And so if we don't know and have foundational as a revelation of the everlasting God, love of God that he loves us and, and it's not conditioned upon our performance, then we won't run to him in times of need. But do you know, obviously, I'll sit down and you know what the devil does? 
when I sit down to pray, he starts bringing up all my weaknesses. He brings up all my faults. I don't know if he does that to y'all or not, I suppose, because he works the same. In Revelation chapter 10, it says that he is the accuser of the brethren, and he accuses us day and night. And so he comes and he goes, you, you know, God's not going to answer your prayers. You know, uh, God, you know, you, you know, God loves you, yes, but you know what? You failed him one last time, and he's had it with you. I mean, you don't want to tell you. That's what he does. He says that. And so that revelation of the everlasting love of God and knowing that he has drawn you and me, we didn't come on our own. For God so loved the world that he gave, he gave, he gave Jesus that we would know him. And that's why Jesus said, I have come to set you free. And the enemy just wants to bind you and I up continually and to keep us from praying. Why every time that you start to pray, does the phone ring or all these things that you've got to get done that day start popping in your mind and, and all types of things? It's because prayer is so powerful as far as your life circumstances, your relationship with Jesus, obviously, and also in your family. Prayer is powerful. The devil will say, you're not making any difference in your prayer life. But you know what you need to come back to and say, my God loves me with an everlasting love, and that love is not based upon my performance. Even in his discipline, even when we mess up, it's done with his hand of grace. God is full of grace and mercy. He doesn't punish us in that way. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't discipline in that way, but he will discipline, but it's different than, than what you would think. And so we must know the everlasting uh, expression of God's love is always there. And so we see love is more than a feeling. It's action. He does things for us. He shows sometimes I have messed up bad, and then I see God answer a prayer. God does that. Now, you know, we regard iniquity in our heart. The Bible says that he won't, he won't hear us, but he knows if we have hearts repentance towards him that we're going to come when we fail him or maybe we've said something we shouldn't have said or we've done something we haven't done and all that, then we run to him. The devil says, stay away. You've done it too many times. You have failed him too much. And, and it, the, the Father wants to give us a revelation of that everlasting love, not based upon our performance. So also, this love shapes our concept of ourselves here. You see, sometimes we believe that our identity is in ourselves or in our performance. But see, our identity, we talked about in the last couple weeks, is in Jesus. It's all in Jesus here. It's wrapped up in Jesus, our identity. Our destiny, actually, is in Jesus. Our purpose for living is in Jesus. Everything is wrapped up in Jesus, amen? Everything. There's a song out that I love, and it's my latest favorite. It's a Contemporary Christian by Casting Crowns, and the title of it is Only Jesus. And the words go something like this. It says that I don't want to leave a legacy. All I want is only Jesus. And the words speak about that. Only Jesus. That's all I want in my life. And I believe that's all you want in your life also.
But you've got to know this love that is beyond what we can ever, ever understand. It surpasses knowledge. How wide and deep and high and long is the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Why did Paul pray this for a, a church who was going through persecution in Ephesus there? Why was he praying this prayer? Why did he pray in Ephesians chapter 1? I keep praying that God the Father will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you may know him better. It's because when you know and you're rooted and grounded in love and you know that God is not going to stop loving you, you can go through the circumstances that you face in life. I can. But unless you do, you'll be knocked off course. And, and God wants us to know that uh, love, that everlasting love, and, and that he will never stop loving you. He's loved, loved us with an everlasting love. And, you know, when it gets tough, we've got to somehow remember those times when that everlasting love of God was there. We've got to go back because we think, well, at the devil, one thing he wants, he'll tell you is God is not good all the time. He will pepper you and me with that particular uh, verbiage there or words. God, you know, you don't think God is good all the time. He's not good in this circumstance, certainly. You thought he was good up to this time, but man, things are getting tough here and getting heated up. And so therefore, somehow God's goodness wavers. Let me tell you today, that's one lie we want to always reject. Because no matter what you're going through, what I'm going through, whether I have brought it on myself or whether or not it's through the circumstances of life or somebody else has brought it on. God is good all the time. He never changes. And he wants the best for you and I. And that's why even in sometimes the hard times that we face is that we can't waste our pain. We can't waste those times that are tough. You know, y'all have had pain this past year. 2018 has been tough. We've had that for a lot of people in this place. And we don't want to waste that. Because remember, anything that touches your life, my life, as a follower of Jesus, as a believer, trusting in Jesus, has to go through God's hand. It has to be sifted. Either he has ordained it or else he's allowed it one way or the other. And Romans 8, 28 needs to be called to mind that he works all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. We need to remember that. All things, God is good. And you've got to know this everlasting. You've got to remember, we're getting ready to remember that in just a little bit, having the Lord's Supper together with all of you today. We remember what Jesus, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Remember what Jesus has done. You know, when circumstances of life get you, and I've talked about over the last couple of weeks, and maybe something is just irritating you, maybe something is really frustrating you, how can you go through it? Is again, remember the everlasting love of God. He doesn't waver in his affection for you and me. Remember that. But also is, is to go back and begin focusing on Jesus. Get into the word of God. Get into the word that proclaims his everlasting love for you and me. Never changes. Get back into the word of God. Get back into prayer. And maybe that you just pray a prayer like, Lord, I need your help. That is a, obviously a theological sound prayer. We need God's help. And you know what? One of the things God is saying to his people today, I believe, is, is that we have become, we've forgotten our God. We've become in, in, too independent of God. And God wants to bring us back to our dependency upon him. 
and remembering his everlasting love is for you and for me. Romans 8, uh, verse 35 through 39, it says here, is who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? And as it is written, for your sake, we're killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present or things to come, neither height nor depth nor any other created things shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He said, I'm persuaded. If Paul's persuaded, we need to be persuaded. <laughs> he, he, he was obviously, he served the Lord with all of his heart and eventually gave his life for him, obviously. And so we need to realize, and we need that revelation. I'm going to talk to you in just a moment as we, as we kind of simmer things down here and all, is that, that God follows up that revelation. It's a revealing in our hearts of his everlasting love with these words, therefore, I have drawn you with my loving kindness. God's eternal motivation towards you is his love. And that causes him to draw us. And so we position ourselves. We get rid of, I say it this way, get rid of the weeds out of the garden of your heart. Get rid of the things that are not like Jesus. You know, the habits we have, or maybe some things that are not really bad, but they're somehow distracting us from our relationship with Jesus. Get rid of them. Clean them up. Because when you position yourself in that way, is God can reveal himself. And let me talk about revelation just a minute. I'm going to back up here because I think it's so important in understanding what rev revelation is. You know, when I first came, really came to the Lord, I accepted Christ at a young age. I was baptized and, and all and stuff. And I strayed away. I didn't walk with the Lord. I lived a life completely the opposite of what I knew. I did things on purpose. I did that. I knew what was right and what was wrong. My parents taught me, and I was raised in the church to be able, but I did things that I am not proud of in that sense today. But God had plans for Jim Barcliffe, and he's got plans for you and me, let me tell you. I'm not uh, obviously up here in the high and mighty. I am right here with you on that. And when God began to deal with me, and he began, and I can look back and see, is he began to draw me with his loving kindness. I know that was drawing because one of the ladies that worked for me in manufacturing, he goes, she goes, what's wrong? What's happening with you? And I said, I can't explain it, but God is drawing me. I remember telling her that. She said, something is happening to you. She understood. She knew God was dealing in my life. And God began to draw me, and he, and he culminated there by revealing himself to me. And when he revealed himself to me, I realized, I believe, I mean, through the, the power of the Holy Spirit, that I was a sinner, and that I was, I, there was no hope for me. But you know what God Almighty and His goodness did right behind that when I understood and I had that revealing, I knew that I knew I was a sinner, and I knew that I knew that if I was the only sinner, that Jesus would have still went to Calvary for me. If I was the only person alive, He gave His heart and life for me and me alone. That was a revelation of that. And right behind that, He revealed his goodness and his forgiveness for Jim Barcliffe 
He gave his life. He, he revealed that right behind him because I was devastated because I realized the darkness in my life. I realized I had sinned against him. That is a revelation. It comes by the power of God's Spirit. And we need that revelation again, church. We need that. Not to say somehow we, we, we need, obviously, the spirit of brokenness to come before him. That God can break us and then he can put us back together. We're the clay, and he's the potter, and he can remold us and, and make us because so often we've lived our lives apart from him. We've tried to do things on our own. We've tried to do things that we know we've tried and struggled and tried and tried, and finally God just breaks us, and we say we can't do it anymore. And that's where God is bringing us, and you see he brings, and, and right behind it was he revealed his goodness, his mercy, and his forgiveness and I was free. I realized freedom like I never had before. That's revelation. That's when you're touched by the power of God's Spirit to know the love of God that's everlasting. And so let's look here on your handout. I want to go through this. We'll have enough time, and then we'll have communion. Three prayers we've been praying, first of all. Father, I ask that you grant me the grace uh, that... I would love Jesus the way you love him. John chapter 17. Read that love story, that love prayer that Jesus uh, prays in John chapter 17. That I would love Jesus the way that you love him. Grant me the grace for that. The second prayer, remember, was, Lord, I ask that in John chapter 15, Jesus said, I no longer call you servants, but I call you my friends. Yes, it's not, it is certainly, it's, it's servitude to the Lord, and we serve him, but he wants more, he wants friendship. Remember, John was his best friend, remember that. And so we, we pray, Lord, uh, ask that we would increase in that friendship with you, our walk of friendship with you. And then the third prayer we, we talked about last week, remember Psalm 27, verse 4? David said, the one thing that I ask, the one thing that I seek, is to uh, dwell with you. And, and then he says, and to gaze upon your beauty. And remember, I, I've always wondered, beauty, God is beautiful. The beauty of the Lord. And then I said, well, let's just ask the Holy Spirit. The prayer is, is that, Lord, I ask you that we could gaze upon your beauty. And actually, I went on further and said that we could be dazzled by your beauty. Dazzled. Y'all know what dazzled means? I said, Lord, how can I fully get it across? I know your spirit can do this, but I said, dazzled by your beauty. I want to be dazzled by God's beauty. Do you want to be dazzled by God's beauty? I do, amen. And so I was watching, I know y'all saw fireworks this past week and all, and I was watching on TV, and they were showing the fireworks that took place in Dallas. And the caption underneath the, the, uh, the, the fireworks there was, um, it said, the people were dazzled by the fireworks. And I went, there it is. There it is, you know. The fireworks are beautiful. Don't you love them? They're just going off. And, and I mean, you sit and kids sit in, in awe of that and all that. Doesn't that fully describe what you desire in your relationship with Jesus? To be dazzled by his beauty. Amen. And so there's one more prayer that we want to get to. You know, as parents here, you can read along with me. We've been, we've said to our parents, our children a lot of time, now you be good, nothing wrong with that. But 
we find many times we don't measure up to whatever standard or the kids don't either. We perceive that God wants. And so we go back to the fact that God wants our friendship as spoken of in John 15, 15. Trying to be good will fail every time. Remember the illustration, illustration that I gave you about the knothole in the fence? I've always used this. You know, y'all remember it because I've said it over the years. If you go walking along a privacy fence that's got a knothole in it and you tell somebody, don't look in that knothole, what will they do? They'll look in it, won't they? Don't do this and don't do that. This is a love relationship with Jesus we're talking about. This is being friends. This is being dazzled by his beauty, not a bunch of rules and regulations. I'm not, don't get me wrong. I'm not excluding all that. Don't get me wrong. But rules and regulations, the Jews had tons of them. And you know, they couldn't keep their basic, they were hypocrites. They couldn't do it. We need grace. We need a love affair with that glorious man that's seated at the right hand of the Father. His name is Jesus. We need to be passionately in love with Jesus Christ, talking about he will, because he's the only one that's good. Remember, they said, you're so good. Remember, he said, not me, my Father is good, basically, is what he's saying. Even Jesus said that. And remember, Paul, he said in 1 Timothy chapter 1, 15, verse 15, he said, I'm the chief of sinners. Here's Paul. And what happens is the closer you get to the light, the more those imperfections are shown. And you go, oh my goodness, I'm undone. And yet what God is saying, I want to let you know, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I've drawn you with my loving kindness. I'll cleanse you. I'll wash you. Because if not, we in our tendency and our human minds in the flesh will somehow pick it up and say, oh man, I had something to do with this. God said, you didn't have anything to do with it. It was all my grace and all my loving kindness, all my mercy. You see, this is what it's at. Like having a friendship is different. And I want to just pray, Lord, Father, grant me the grace to love Jesus the way you do. But when I feel the affection of Jesus, everything changes. In John 15, 15, Jesus has called us to be his friends. Holy Spirit, give me grace to walk in friendship with Jesus. We've always been taught if you go to school, you study real hard, and you get a job, you'll be happy. How many of you have ever heard that? If I can just study real hard, and I can go and, and, and I'll get a good job, I'll be happy. No, you won't either. The only thing that will bring you happiness is friendship with others and with Jesus. You know, a lot of people today make a lot of money in different jobs today, and they are miserable. They're making money, and they got big houses, and they got all this stuff, and they're miserable because they don't have proper friendships. That's why you and I, and when, when Nancy started getting together and, and before the services, which I know we're going to continue and, and all in, in the new year, and having friendship, you guys are my friends. You guys are my family. Until we learn to love one another and allow the Spirit of God to move in that way, we won't have anything because love trumps everything I'm talking about. Trump, trumps everything. And friendship with others and with Jesus. We've always been taught that here. The natural progression, you see, of our spiritual lives is to drift away from God, Hebrews 2.1. We waste our lives on the cares of life. We need to talk to Jesus to keep this from happening. If you don't, you'll drift. We need a revelation of God's love for you. And we need to ask for this prayer here. Here it is. Father, 
grant me the grace to feel your affection. And this is what Paul is praying in Ephesians chapter 3. That we would know this love that surpasses our knowledge. It's a revelation. You see, I had a revelation there on my couch in November of 1985. A revelation that God loves me. And he gave himself for me. I had that revelation. I mean, it was a powerful revelation. And that revelation comes in different ways. That's God's business. He's sovereign. And I'm not saying I'm going to, you do it the same way I do it. I'm talking about we need to know down in our heart of hearts that God's love is everlasting. And that comes by God revealing it. No man can come to the Father unless the Spirit draws him. This cannot happen apart from God doing it. But let me tell you today, we can ask for it, and I ask for it, and these four prayers I pray. And I pray certain prayers every day, and I pray, and I will continue. And I've asked you, I said, you know, be determined. Keep praying these prayers. Father, I ask you, grant me grace to love the Son of God the way you love him, because you know the Father loves Jesus. And I want to love Jesus in the same manner. I want to have a passion for Jesus Christ in the same manner. I don't want anything else to come and distract me in this life because nothing is satisfying to me anymore. Certain things are temporary and they seem to bring about some type of satisfaction, but it's just it's elusive, isn't it? But let me tell you, that love and friendship and passion for Jesus, I want to tell you, it will sustain you no matter what you're going through. So how have we gotten off track? We tried to find our identity and our performance. When we stumble and sin, we feel guilty. And then we try harder to do better and find we stumble again and we feel shame. Shame makes us feel like we are a mistake. You see, some of us maybe have grown up in abusive families. Maybe we're abandoned. Maybe we've had alcoholic families or addicted type of uh, parents or whatever it may be. And a lot of times we come and we try to fill that void. And that's what happens. Even the psychologists will tell you this. They try to fill that void was something that makes life more livable. You see, Jesus came to take away the shame. Jesus came to set us free. Jesus came to reveal his love for us. And so all of these things are manifested when we think about it. Anxiety, addictions, phobias, abuse, abandonment, and so forth here. And then what happens with people who, who are under this? And even sometimes in Christians and so forth, if they haven't been delivered and set free from this, is they try to perform. You know, maybe God will accept me if I perform just a little bit better. Maybe if I don't sin this week, maybe if I stay away from that particular that we know sometimes clutches our hearts, maybe if I do that, then, then somehow God will love me. We need a revelation of the everlasting love of God Almighty. We need that, don't we? We need that. You see, let me hear, it says example, you know, expensive paintings. You may, you know, you've seen them, the different oil paintings, they, some of them are real expensive. You look at that painting, and I'm just giving you an example here, is that you look at the painting and you go, you know, um, I wouldn't give you $100 for that painting. I look at that painting, and would you? I'm going, I'm not going to pay that for a painting like that. And I'm going, it's, it's all right, but I mean, you know. And you look at it, <clears throat> and I say, you know, I wouldn't even hang that painting in my house. You know, there are other things out there and so forth. And then somebody comes along and looks at that painting, and what do they do? They give like, well, I'll give $100 million for that painting. And you go, what in the world here? Let me tell you here. You see, worth is not determined by our value system. Worth is determined 
by what someone is willing to pay. You and I weren't worth nothing. But Jesus Christ gave his infinite, precious blood for you and for me. You see, he wants us to know his everlasting love. And that comes by him revealing. But we can ask for it. Father, I ask by your grace that I would feel your affection for me. Keep praying that prayer because I believe God wants to answer that. What do we do? I'll, I'll move along. Hebrews 12. The Bible says, cast off all your sin that so easily entangles us and, and run that race that is before us. And then it says, fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Don't waste the pain that we go through. God will even use our pain. Tell somebody you trust about that sin that you're dealing with. I'm talking about somebody you really trust that you know. Because what happens is you feel like if somehow, you know, the Bible says confess our sins one to another. And you want to do that with somebody you really can trust. It will keep things confidential between you and them. But something happens when you bring it out in the light, okay? That's why we share here. This is for this. This is not a gathering just to come in and to go through the ritual of worship to meet with the Lord, amen? And it brings that out in the light. And you realize that person still loves you. That person still accepts you. Isn't it great that when you done it, you did it with Jesus Christ, is that he still loved us, he forgave us, he just washed away. He said, I, I don't remember it anymore. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has, has removed our sins from us. He keeps on removing. And so whatever that is, it's brought on that shame. And it's causing now anxiety or phobias or anything else in your life that you know. Then bring that to the Lord. Bring that and maybe bring it to other people. Last the prayer. Father, give me the grace to feel your affection for me. That I would experience your affection, your love, your kindness. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Just sit just a moment. Hold on a minute. Just hold just a minute. Yeah, wait just a minute. Yeah, let me finish. Let me finish on this. Hold just a second and not. I'll, I'll, this is decision time right now. The, the Lord is, is speaking to our hearts. If there's someone here who does not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if there's someone here that you've been to church, but you've never made that decision. Today may be the day that God has knocked on your heart's door. If there's someone here that knows they've blown it, I want to pray for you that you would have a revelation of the everlasting love of God Almighty and you would feel His affection. A pastor that I have kept up with over 30 years had a son that was on drugs. And he was in one state and the son was in another. And the drugs uh, had just taken over his life. And he evidently called his father and he said, Dad, I, I just, I can't take it anymore. And he... Uh, he called his father. His father flew out to see him. And the son uh, was there, and his father is a pastor. 
And uh, his father said, called him by name, and he said, you know, God loves you. And he said, I know, Dad. God loves everybody. Not too long after that, he took a, a cocktail of drugs and put a gun to his head and blew his, killed himself. We need this from the Lord. God loves us. Kids love affection, don't they? I love for my daddy to hug me and to show his affection to me. At various times, that revelation comes in my heart, his goodness to us. At various times, I realize he loves me and it gets real personal. If you're here today, and we'll pray for you, and before the guys start playing here, I just want to pray for you that God would uh, reveal his affection for you because he loves us. Paul said that surpasses knowledge experiencing the love of God in our heart of hearts, feeling his loving kindness in our hearts. You see, what will happen is foundational, really. Because if not, you won't ever fulfill. You'll never serve like God wants you to serve. Father, I ask for that revelation, that, that just deep down revealing of your affection for the love, for your love for each person in this place today your affection, because you love us. And I pray, Lord, this prayer would be on our hearts and lips on a regular basis. Dear God, today, one day we'll face you, and then we will know your affection. We will know your love. We will know beyond a shadow of a doubt, but dear God, we're here and we need you. And we're asking for your presence and your power in this place this day, that you would touch every person here and reveal yourself. In that way that Paul said, I keep praying this prayer. You know how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I pray that right now, Holy Spirit of God, to descend to come and speak to every heart in the precious and majestic name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen.